Hey everyone, this is a preview for our episode on Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, the second part of our book exchange between Mike and I. What we have here is a sample from the text, read by senior Olivia Kincaid, from chapter one of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas by Hunter S. Thompson. Enjoy, guys. Thanks. Barstow on the edge of the desert when the drugs began to take hold. I remember saying something like, I feel a bit lightheaded, maybe you should drive. And suddenly there was a terrible roar all around us and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats all swooping and screeching and diving around the car, which was going about 100 miles an hour with the top down to Las Vegas. And a voice was screaming, holy Jesus, what are these goddamn animals? Then it was quiet again. My attorney had taken his shirt off and was pouring beer on his chest to facilitate the tanning process. What the hell are you yelling about, he muttered, staring up at the sun with his eyes closed and covered with wraparound Spanish sunglasses. Never mind, I said. It's your turn to drive. I hit the brakes and aimed the great red shark toward the shoulder of the highway. No point mentioning these bats, I thought. The poor bastard will see them soon enough. It was almost noon, and we still had more than a hundred miles to go. They would be tough miles. Very soon, I knew we would both be completely twisted, but there was no going back and no time to rest. We would have to ride it out. Press registration for the fabulous Mint 400 was already underway, and we had to get there by four to claim our soundproof suite. A fashionable sporting magazine in New York had taken care of the reservations, along with this huge red Chevy convertible we just rented off the lot at Sunset Strip. And I was, after all, a professional journalist, so I had an obligation to cover the story, for good or ill. The sporting editors had also given me $300 in cash, most of which was already spent on the extremely dangerous drugs. The trunk of the car looked like a mobile police narcotics lab. We had two bags of grass, 75 pellets of mescaline, five sheets of high-powered blotter acid, a salt shaker half full of cocaine, and a whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, lappers, and also a quart of tequila, a quart of rum, a case of Budweiser, a pint of raw ether, and two dozen animals. All this had been rounded up the night before in a frenzy of high-speed driving all over Los Angeles County. From Topanga to Watts, we picked up everything we could get our hands on. Not that we needed all that for the trip, but once you get locked into a serious drug collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can. The only thing that really worried me was the ether. There is nothing in the world more helpless and irresponsible and depraved than a man in the depths of an ether binge. And I knew we'd get into that rotten stuff pretty soon. Probably at the next gas station. We had sampled almost everything else, and now, yes, it was time for a long snort of ether. And then do the next 100 miles in a horrible, slobbering sort of spastic stupor. The only way to keep alert on ether is to do a lot of amyls. Not all at once, but steadily. Just enough to maintain the focus at 90 miles an hour through Barstow. 